2, verses 1 to 12. The Magi visit the Messiah. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of, of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Hello, lovely people. And it is so lovely to be with you again. And if I've not seen you since before the beginning of this new year, a very happy new year to you. And can I say as well, given we are celebrating it today, very happy epiphany. More of that in a moment, but let's pray. Father God, we give thanks for your word. And we pray now that as we hear and unpack your word, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to hear the things that you want us to hear. In the name of Jesus, your son, we pray. Amen. I wonder, have you ever been in a courtroom? And especially in a courtroom while it has been active, so to speak, when a trial is happening. Have you been there, maybe as an observer? Have you been the person on trial? Have you been one of the witnesses, maybe for the defence or the prosecution? Have you been on jury service? Have you perhaps even been one of the judges? Now, I'm going to say right here, right now, that I have never been in a courtroom while a trial is happening. Yes, I've had a few run-ins with the law, but they've only gone as far as a couple of speeding tickets and quite a few things for dodgy parking. I have never been on trial. Nor have I been on jury service. I have never been a witness either, not in court anyway. And so the whole world of the courtroom for me comes down to one thing and one thing only, and that is TV drama. That's where I learn all I need to know about what happens in a trial. When we think about trials and what they mean, it's no wonder that they are such a source of inspiration for writers and why they play out so well in terms of dramas. They are very dramatic things, full of persuasive arguments for and against big decisions being made. Everything is on the line. 
they are the most dramatic thing in so many ways. But I'm going to take today all that I've learnt of trials through the medium of television and put it against the context of the reading today. And go along with me with this, if you will. Imagine that there are two claimants to the throne of Israel. One is Herod the Great, who we read about in this reading, and the other is Jesus, who comes into this reading as a baby. The Jewry, if you will, are the wise men. They have to decide who of these two people is the rightful claimant of the throne of Israel. The evidence so far comes down to two things. Firstly, a small understanding of the Bible, which was passed on to them by the Israelites while they were captive in Babylon hundreds and hundreds of years ago and inherited to them. They knew that one day a special king, a Messiah, would be born, but really that was about it. And they had a star, a star in the sky that signified to them that something big and something important was about to happen. Now they had to investigate and the evidence was going to be put before them as to who the true king was to be. First off, we have Herod also known as Herod the Great or Herod the First. The prosecution might argue that Herod should not be the king of Israel, the true claimant of the throne or the one for whom the star rests for several reasons. Most of them down to, well, let's just say he had a personality. He was part of the killing of the innocents as we saw in Bethlehem, which is part of the Christmas readings. He also had no problem killing members of his own family. He killed his sons and even one of his wives. To say he had trust issues would be an understatement. So he certainly had his problems. However, in the context of the time he was living, the defence might say, Perhaps these issues weren't so great. In the first century, it wasn't really unheard of for great leaders to, well, noble a few people, put a few people to death, and even the incredibly innocent people, even members of your own family. We are, of course, living in a Roman-influenced world, and the Romans were famous for this kind of thing. And really, if we're being honest, and we think about great world leaders throughout history, how many of them didn't have their flaws? How many of them didn't say the bad stuff or do the bad stuff, but their benefits outweigh those things that they did wrong? And maybe Herod is one of the people who fitted into that category. After all, quite a number of historians even today say that Herod himself was a great leader and the evidence for that lies in what he did in his lifetime. He came from a relative obscurity to establish an ancestry in Israel, to establish a set of kings. Kings would follow him, his sons would reign in his place as well. 
Herod would establish this kind of throne in Israel from nowhere. He was something of a wonderful businessman, an entrepreneur, able to do deals with the people who he needed to do deals with. Early in his life, he formed quite a close alliance with Julius Caesar in Rome. And it was due to that relationship that he was able to become the king in Israel. He was gifted and able in enterprise and business and networking and all of those sorts of things. Then there was him as a politician. He was a wonderful politician in so many ways. He was able to please the people of Israel by building special things for them. He renovated the second temple in Jerusalem. He even appealed to those who were non-Jewish, providing money for the building of pagan temples and things like that, even appealing to the Roman Empire as he did. And as a part of that, he was a wonderful architect, building all these things, as I say, renovating the second temple and building much of what was the historic city of Jerusalem. So yes, he was a megalomaniac, but look at all the other stuff that he did. And in fact, so great was his reputation that when he died, the kingdom had to be split into three ways with his sons reigning in different parts of the land. One of them, the one who Jesus would meet just before his death. Yes, Herod was flawed, but there can be no denying he had great skills as well. Great skills as a leader and really great skills to be a wonderful king. And when the wise men met him, surely they would have been impressed by all that he was and all that he was doing. And so far, when looking for a king, hey, he's ticking all the boxes him or his ancestors anyway. So then we move on to the next claimant of the throne, Jesus. And it's fair to say that all that Jesus had going against him, the prosecution against him, was pretty dramatic. Here's a lad living in this village of Bethlehem. Here he is, a baby, perhaps a small boy, and that's it. Here he is from humble origins, his family from back in Nazareth travelling. Here he is perhaps on watch out for being put to death by Herod as well. Here he is living in the most humble of circumstances. In no way did he look like a king. He didn't live in a royal palace. He didn't build giant buildings. He didn't have friends in high places. He wasn't a networker. He wasn't an entrepreneur. He wasn't a businessman. He wasn't a politician. He wasn't an architect. He was none of those things. But when they met him, the wise men said, yes, this is him. This is the king of the Jews. This is the king of kings. This is the Messiah. Why? Really for two reasons. Firstly, and most importantly for them at the time, the star rested where he was. They knew that that meant this special event, this special king was born, and it was him. 
But secondly, they had an epiphany when they met him. Epiphany is a kind of revelation, a revelation from God about something special and important. They had that revelation when they said, when they said him, when they met him, when they saw him where he was. They had the revelation of who he was. And that was really enough. It's really hard to put into words perhaps what they experienced. It's really hard for us to understand what it is that he had. After all, on paper, Herod was the one who had it all. But God spoke to them and God was present in the situation and God made his plans known to them. You know, some things go beyond physical evidence. Some things you have to experience and some things you just have to feel. You know, if you were asked to ask ask me today what love means, it'd be really hard to define in words. It's really hard for many of us to define in words. We can use some words, yes, but really it's something you have to experience. You know it when you feel it. And that can be the love you have for your other half, the love you have for your children, the love you have for your friends, the love you have for your pet. It can be the love you have for so many things, for your community, even your church. You know it when you feel it. And when these wise men met Jesus, they knew it as well. God was there. God revealed. They had the epiphany. And after that, they presented those gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Prophetic gifts, if you will. Prophetic, looking at who Jesus was, who he was to become, what he would die for and why he would rise again gifts that would tell of who Jesus was and what he was born to do and we are reminded today through those gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh of what Jesus the king of kings was born to do and that was to die for the sins of the world to die for the sins of you and me to die and be risen again that all sin and all death will be conquered forever all that is wrong will be put right. The creation itself will be restored and all other benefits of his passion will come to pass. Today we are reminded that that boy was born to do all of these things. And we're reminded as well that through him all of it happened. You see, the world didn't need a great entrepreneur or businessman or negotiator. If the world needed a businessman, an entrepreneur or negotiator, the Lord would have sent one of those. The world didn't need a great politician. If the world needed a great politician, God would have sent a politician. The world didn't need an architect. If the world needed an architect, God would have sent an architect. And yes, God calls us to be business people, entrepreneurs, negotiators. The Lord calls us to be politicians. The Lord calls us to be architects. The Lord calls us to be all manner of things. And when we do those things for his glory, it is surely a good thing. 
and we support people and we pray for all those people and we encourage all those people into those fields. But the Lord didn't need one of those. The world didn't need one of those. The world needed one thing and that was a saviour. And that is why the Lord sent his son Jesus Christ to be the saviour of the world. <clears throat> the Lord sent Jesus, his son, to be our saviour. Today we are reminded not just of who Jesus was born to be, not just that he was the true claimant of the throne of Israel. We are reminded of our own salvation as well. And we celebrate in that. And as the wise men had that epiphany, so we have that epiphany again. Jesus, the Saviour, is born. Let us rejoice. Let us celebrate. Let us bask in his goodness and his love. And may he bless us now and always. Let's pray. Father God, we give thanks that the wise men recognise Jesus as the Messiah. And we give thanks that we recognise him as Messiah as well, our Saviour. And we pray now that you would fill us with your Spirit where we are. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, we ask of you. Help us to know the riches of his love. Help us to know the riches of his grace. And help us to know that we are saved by him. In the name of Jesus, your Son, we pray. Amen.